0: Welcome to Grace Point Church and to 2016. It is great to see you this morning. Uh, My name is Randy Willis. I'm an assistant pastor here at Grace Point. Our lead pastor, Mike McDaniel, and his wife are celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary while crossing something off their bucket list. They are somewhere in the process of ascending Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. You know, and long before... Bucket list, or even having a bucket list was a thing. I dreamed of going to Cooperstown, New York. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you need to man up and get yourself a real bucket list because who wants to go to Cooperstown, New York? But the truth of the matter is, I've been a baseball fan since I was really small, and Cooperstown, New York is the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so I thought, man, I would love to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame and see the memorabilia and all the artifacts and the history of baseball and all those things. So when my boys were teenagers, I decided that we were going to take a road trip. And so we got our, this was before phones and the Internet even. So we got out everything and planned it all out. And one day, one day we drove to St. Louis and we watched the Cardinals play. And the next day we got up and we drove to Chicago and watched the Cubs play at Wrigley Field. The next day we drove to Cleveland to watch a game. And the day after that we drove all the way to Boston to watch the Red Sox play in Fenway Park. And then we drove over to Cooperstown, and we timed it such that we were in, in Cooperstown during the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies of two of the icons of the game that I grew up with Nolan Ryan and George Brett. And so we got to be there during the induction ceremonies of those two guys. And during the Hall of Fame weekend, actually, many of the other Hall of Famers come back, the Living With Hall of, the Hall of Famers come back. It would be strange if the non-living ones came back, probably. But the living members of the Hall of Fame come back. And so we got to see Willie Mays. We got to see, we talked to Bob Feller, got his autograph. We got to see Reggie Jackson and Tom Seaver and Ferguson Jenkins and all these Hall of Famers. It was a great, great road trip. And that crossed something off my bucket list. You know, as I got to thinking about that, I was wondering who would be in a Hall of Fame of faith. I mean, if you were starting a hall of fame of faith, who would you put in there? Now, I'm sure you've got to have the famous people, right? So Abraham, I'm sure he's in there. Moses is probably in there. I'm not sure who out where you draw the line, but I'm pretty sure that if you've got a book of the Bible named after you, you're probably in the hall of fame. So Samuel and and uh, Joshua and Ruth, they're probably in there. But we don't really have to call the role of those that would be in a hall of fame of faith. Because in the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, it starts off with a list of people that might be considered hall of fame worthy. And we're going to take a look at some of those this morning. But before we do that, I want to ask you a couple of questions. One, what does faith look like to you? Now, maybe faith looks a little bit like this to you. You know, you're standing on the steps and you go, I want to jump. I think you're going to catch me. I hope you're going to catch me. Really, really, will you you catch me? I want to have faith, but it's really kind of tough. Or maybe you're like the the young boy who was in Sunday school and he was asked by his teacher what faith is. He says, faith is believing in something you know isn't true. (laughs) You know, and a lot of us, a lot of people live with a definition of faith that's kind of like that. They believe that faith is some sort of mental gymnastics that we go through to make ourselves believe something that we intellectually know isn't true, that we intellectually know is irrational. But the truth is that faith is not irrational. I mean, daily we do all kinds of things that we, have to, that we can't fully explain, that we don't even understand, but we put our faith in them. For example, I flip a light switch. And I'm trusting in the wiring and however that all works to turn the lights on. I turn the ignition in my car and I'm putting my faith in parts that I can't pronounce and that I don't understand to make it run, right? Or when I get on an airplane, I'm putting my faith in the principle of aerodynamics that's going to get this mass of metal up into the air and keep it there, right? Or how about this one? You go to a doctor... And you get a prescription that you can't even read. And you take it to a pharmacist that you don't know, who then gives you medicine that you don't fully understand, but you take anyway. Now that is what I call living by faith. But faith is only as valuable as the object of that faith, isn't it? I mean, we've all flipped the light switch or turned the ignition or gone to the doctor and something's gone wrong. So... It's not, just having faith is not enough. It's who or what you put your faith in that matters. Now, Buddhists put their faith in naturally Buddha. uh, Muslims trust in Muhammad. The Hindus believe there's many gods. Even an atheist has put their faith in the idea that there is no God. Now, for me, it's really quite simple. I believe that anybody that can predict their own death and their own resurrection, winner. He's the guy worth following. And that's Jesus. See, Christianity, the the early church that that we read about in Scripture, didn't arise out of a set of theological beliefs. It didn't arise out of a better idea. The people in the first century didn't say, hey, you know, I think we have a new idea here. Let's see how many people we can get to follow or believe this new idea. That's not how Christianity began. Christianity began because of an event that no one could deny, the resurrection of Jesus. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just prophesied. It was witnessed. No one can reasonably deny that Jesus was seen alive by hundreds of people after he died. So for me, it really comes down to one thing. I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the creator God in human flesh. And that's who I put my faith in. So let's look at these heroes of the faith, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 11. uh, And let's look and see some of the characteristics of their lives. Now, if you look at the, in Hebrews 11, you'll see in a list of examples of great faith, people that were counted as being faithful to God. And we want to look at what, those, what that looked like. Now, if you look at it on your phone or on your mobile device, it, I think it loses a little bit. And so I took a picture of my Bible, and I realized that you can't read this, but I tried to underline where it said, by faith. And you see there it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Moses, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And the writer of Hebrews is listing off these faith heroes, if you will. And right in the middle of listing it off, he takes a break and he gives us a unique perspective. He gives us some insight into how these people became revered for their faith. Let's look at verse 13 in chapter 11. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So what is it that distinguished these people in Hebrews 11 as people of faith? I think it's perspective. They had a different perspective. They were able to see beyond their current circumstances, beyond their current situation, to the future. You might go, well, why is that important? I believe that God calls his followers to live with a different perspective, a perspective that embraces eternity. And I want to examine the lives of some of these these heroes of the faith because I believe what we're going to discover is that their faith and their perspective is, in, is within the grasp of every one of us. We, too, can live with a heroic faith. So here's a couple of principles. Heroic faith knows that this life is not all there is. Heroic faith knows that this life is not all there is, and it lives like it. Look at verse 13 again. It says, all these died in faith without, rece- without receiving the tangible fulfillment of God's promises only having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. If you were honest, in your most vulnerable of moments, have you ever said to yourself, there has got to be more to life than this? Are, Are we just born and then we live for a while and then we die? Is this all there is? Bernard Levin was an English columnist, non-religious guy. And he said this, Countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire, together with such non-material blessings as a happy family, and yet lead lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation. Understanding nothing but the fact that there is a hole inside of them and that however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, However many well-balanced children and loyal friends, they parade around the edges of it, it aches. If this resonates with you at all, I encourage you to lean in because this one idea may be the reason that you're here today. Solomon, who's the wisest man that ever lived, said that God has set eternity in the human heart. And that's why there are so many belief systems, so many religions, so many faith systems. It's because intuitively we know that there's got to be more to life than this. Now, I want you to imagine with me that this rope represents time from the beginning all the way to eternity. And this orange part right here represents our life. Now, for most of us, all we think about is this orange part. We think about yesterday and today, and maybe we think a little bit about tomorrow. If we ever think beyond that, we really just focus on the end of this orange part, don't we? We think, when am I going to be able to stop working Am I going to be able to travel? Will I live on a beach? And we rarely think, if ever, think about what happens after the orange part. But Scripture teaches us that we should live in the orange part with an eye toward the whole, with an eye toward eternity. And for those in Hebrews 11, they had a knowledge of eternity, But it wasn't just a knowledge of eternity that made their faith distinctive. It was what their faith led them to do that was significant. It was their determination to to factor in eternity into their present-day decisions. It was their decision to take into effect what could happen after they're gone, to make a a distant reality affect their present-day actions and emotions let's look at a couple of examples in in verse 7 of hebrews 11 it says by faith abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going for he was looking forward verse 10 for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is god See, Abraham lived, and all these people in Hebrews 11, they all lived in anticipation of something they couldn't physically see. When God called Abraham, he didn't tell him where to go. He didn't tell him where he was leading. Him. He said, Abraham, I'm calling you to go. And Abraham had to, had to live in anticipation of that reality that was going to come in the future. Or look at verse 7. Another guy that would probably be in the hall of fame, of faith says, of Noah says, By faith... With confidence in God and in his word, Noah, being warned by God about events not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. Now I will point out that Noah hadn't seen rain for a really long time and he was building this boat nowhere near a body of water. See, Noah lived as if the future were already a reality. And I don't know what God is calling you to do to impact eternity. But my challenge to you this morning and my encouragement to you this morning is to live in such a way to affect eternity. And start taking steps in that direction. See, heroic faith is taking action on what you know to be true even when others are unaware of it. Heroic faith is taking action on what you know to be true, even when others are unaware of it. Let me give you an example. It was a Sunday afternoon in October of 2011 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the St. Louis Cardinals were playing the Milwaukee Brewers in a playoff game, big, important game. And in the middle of the game, there came cheers at just randomly, seemingly times that just didn't make any sense. Inappropriate times. So, for example, the teams were, the last out had been recording and the teams were just running in and off and getting warmed up, and suddenly the stands would just explode with cheers. What's that about? Or well, there was a time when the, 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 the pitcher and the catcher were warming up and the catcher's just throwing the ball, lobbing the ball back to the pitcher, and people cheer like crazy. Well, what was going on? Well, what was going on was about half the people in the stands had radios listening to the Green Bay Packers football game. And their cheers had nothing to do with what was going on on the field. See, they were relating to a reality that others couldn't see. And people without Jesus are oblivious to the rhythms, to the significance of eternity. But those that live by faith are attuned to God's frequency. And they will see and hear things That others cannot, and they will adjust their lives accordingly. That's living in light of a reality that others can't see. That's what it means to to live and take action on something that you know to be true. Paul, who is one that personally encountered the risen Jesus, said it like this. He said, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In light of the eternal, how can you live beyond the orange? What difference would it make in the way you act and the the way you react if you lived with an eternal perspective? What would your relationship with your children and your spouses, your spouse look like if you lived with an eternal perspective? What would you teach your children if you lived with an eternal perspective? What would you talk about with your friends if you lived with an eternal perspective? Would you choose to overlook an offense that happens in the orange knowing that In eternity, it just won't matter. See, heroic faith knows that this life is not all there is and therefore is not at home in this world. Back to Hebrews, it says they accepted the fact that they were like visitors and strangers here on earth. And when people accept something like that, they show that they're waiting for a country that will be their own. But they were waiting for a better country, a heavenly country. See, these people in Hebrews 11, they lived with a perspective that extended far beyond their own life. Let's look at one of these other guys, Moses, verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter." He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, if you know the story of Moses, you know that he was born to a slave woman. And by the laws of the land at that time, he should have been killed At birth or shortly after birth, but because of a miraculous set of circumstances, not only did he survive, but he was brought up in the palace of Pharaoh, the one who had executed the order to have the baby boys killed. But there came a time in Moses' life when he had to make a choice. And so he made a choice to live beyond the orange. Now, you look at this this verse again. And there's something that's very unique, I think, about this verse and very odd. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. It says right in the middle of it, it says, for the sake of Christ. Now, wait a minute. Moses lived in 1500 B.C. before Christ. That means that Christ is somewhere over here. So how is it that Moses could live And make decisions for the sake of Christ. How's that work? See, Moses was living based on the promise Messiah. Back in Genesis chapter 3, very back in the beginning, God had promised a deliverer for his people that Mike talked about a couple of weeks ago. And based on that promise, Moses was living for the sake of Christ. Now, there's a guy that lives with eternity in mind. There's a guy that lived beyond the orange. But this was the same Moses that at at times lost his perspective. When God encountered Moses and invited him to lead the nation of Israel, at that time the Israelites, from out of Egypt and their slavery and into a land that was to be their own. This is the same Moses that argued with God. And he goes, I think you got the wrong guy. Who am I to do this? And God said, well, I'll be with you. And he said, well, who who should I say sent me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. See, I believe that what God was communicating to Moses was, listen, this assignment that I have for you is done in the context of what I've been doing since the beginning of time. What I've been doing through those that have preceded you. I made promises to your fathers, Abraham, your forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob hundreds of years ago. And now I'm inviting you, Moses, into what has been my plan for all generations. Do you realize the significance of that? See, the same God that we worship, the same God that we were singing about and singing to and worshiping a while ago is the same God that led Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's the same God that directed Moses, the same God that guided Paul and has guided men and women of true faith for centuries. It's the same God that we worship and that we claim to follow. Do you grasp the significance of that? Because God is inviting you and me into what has been his plan for eternity. Have you considered that God sees your life as part of his eternal plan, his eternal purpose? What story do you want your life to tell? If you want your story to count, if you want your story to be significant, you need to live with a perspective that lives beyond the orange. Stephen Furtick said that if your vision for your life doesn't intimidate you or it's not intimidating to you, there's a good chance it's insulting to God. You know, heroic faith. Knows that this life is not all there is. Heroic faith knows that it's not at home at this, in this world. And a heroic faith keeps its eyes on Jesus. Look at verse 16 in Hebrews 11. It says, but the truth is that they were longing for a better country. That is a heavenly one. For that reason, God is not ashamed of them or to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hebrews chapter 12 is an extension of Hebrews 11, of course. In Hebrews 12, the first word is therefore, meaning therefore, because of this list of heroes of the faith, people that had heroic faith in Hebrews 11, therefore, in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How was Jesus able to endure the scorn, the the humiliation, the shame? It was for the joy set before him. Because Jesus could see the glory that was coming, he was able to endure the present. Jesus is the ultimate example of what it means to live with with, with eternity in mind. He was the ultimate example of what it means to live beyond the orange. Now, some of you know that uh, in my past, I was a long-distance runner. In fact, I've run thousands and thousands and thousands of miles over the last 20 years. And there's one thing... I, I, I think I look at runners a little bit differently, perhaps, than other people. And there's one thing that I've realized whether it's the weekend jogger or the ultra marathoner, there's one thing that's consistent across the entire spectrum of runners. It's pretty easy to tell who's struggling and who is feeling strong. The ones that are feeling strong have their chest out and their shoulders back and their eyes fixed in front of them. The ones that are feeling strong are looking at the next corner. They're looking at the next hill. They're looking at the next person that they, that they hope to pass. They may occasionally glance down and, uh, to avoid a pothole, but they are focused in front of them. The ones that are struggling have their head down and their shoulders slumped, and they're looking about five feet in front of them, and they never or they very rarely look up. They're so focused on this part they can't even look beyond that. Here's a life principle for you. Glance at the world, but gaze on Jesus. Glance at the world and gaze on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Andy Stanley said it this way. He says, if if we loosen our grip on the present, the present will loosen its grip on us. So how are you going to live beyond the orange? See, heroic faith is not just the possession of those that have been persecuted or martyred. It's not just the possession of those with years of experience. Heroic faith is modeled by all believers that can look beyond their present circumstances, beyond their present situation to what is to come. It's modeled by teenagers who've seen the life of a classmate ended prematurely, perhaps to a tragic accident or disease. And suddenly they see with uncanny clarity Today and beyond. Heroic faith is modeled by a couple who loses a child and experiences a whole new dimension of depth of God's presence and God's comfort. Heroic faith is modeled by 50-something-year-olds whose employer has let them go because the company cutbacks And suddenly they have to come to terms with the fact that the stability that this life promises, it's incapable of delivering. In each case, and in many others like them, a faith that embraces the eternal dimension of one's relationship with God is a faith that distinguishes itself as heroic. Paul again, this time in Romans, says... So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Do you want a life of significance? Do you want a life of purpose, a life that will outlive the orange part? You must have a deeper perspective, an eternal perspective. Because when you have an eternal perspective and you let God change you from the inside out, you can impact far beyond your own life. What impact? will living beyond the orange with an eternal perspective have on your family, on your work, on your world? In light of eternity, how should you spend your time with your family? In light of eternity, how should you use the place where God has placed you to work to make a lasting impact? In light of eternity, how should you pray and give and go to impact eternity? So the question is this. What will you do in 2016 to make an eternal difference? What will you do starting this week? What will you do to live beyond the orange? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, you are holy and righteous and perfect. You're the only one that knows the the end from the beginning. You go beyond time. You span beyond time. And yet you choose to involve us in your plan. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. It's called faith. Father, may we choose to live beyond the orange. May we choose to make our lives count where you've placed us in our families, and in our work, and in our world. May we keep our eyes on Jesus, the cornerstone of our faith. Amen.